Welcome to St. Anne Lenten Reflection Podcast. Throughout this Lenten season, we will be praying in the form of Lexio Divina. We will be reading from the daily gospel reading and hearing a reflection from a parishioner at St. Anne. After the gospel is read, there will be a brief moment to reflect on how the Lord is speaking to you through the scripture. Today's reflection will be given by Josh Swartz. Let us now prepare our hearts as we listen to the word of God. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Today's gospel reading is from John chapter 8 verses 1 through 11. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, but early in the morning he arrived again in the temple area, and all the people started coming to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and made her stand in the middle. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They said this to test him, so that they could have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. But when they continued asking him, he straightened up and said to them, Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. And in response, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. So he was left alone with the woman before him. Then Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She replied, No one, sir. Then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. This passage may seem somewhat uncontroversial to many listeners at St. Anne's today, who have embraced Jesus' teaching on the mercy of God. But that teaching was definitely controversial, as we can see in the passage to the religious leaders during Jesus' time. And despite the church preaching a gospel of mercy for the last 2,000 years, we still see camps emerge over how to understand God's justice in relationship to his mercy today. So let's just start with the passage. What's going on here? The scribes and Pharisees have devised a plan to entrap Jesus and destroy his ministry. They've brought a woman who was allegedly caught in the act of adultery. The trap is intended to either make Jesus forbid the stoning and deny the Mosaic law that said that the punishment for adultery is death, or to authorize the stoning, which will both lead Jesus into hot water with the Romans who didn't allow the Jews to administer capital punishment on their own, as we saw in Jesus' own trial as well as to deny his own teaching about God's mercy for sinners, which had won him such a large following. Either of those options are obviously going to have a detrimental impact on Jesus' ministry. As usual, Jesus was ready for this trap, and he presented a third way. He wouldn't authorize or forbid the stoning. In fact, he wouldn't even address the stoning or the Mosaic law at all. Rather, Jesus puts the onus back on the Pharisees and scribes. While the Pharisees may have actually seen themselves as qualified to stone the woman due to their observance of the law of Moses, 
Doing so would have made them accountable to Rome rather than Jesus. So he would have flipped the trap onto them. Of course, Jesus later argues that he doesn't even think the Pharisees were sinless. So before the Romans, he would have been blameless and it would have been on the Pharisees. Even better, by forcing the Pharisees to walk away without stoning the woman as they did, Jesus actually caused them to reveal to the crowds that they were actually the compromisers with Rome and that they were not sinless as they presented themselves to be. Now, as I was reflecting on this passage, I was struck by how odd it was that there was a group of faithful Jewish people that were offended by the idea that God is merciful to sinners. Why is it so scandalous to anybody that God would be merciful to sinners? The Pharisees and the scribes were generally deemed as the most holy in society, after all, and they were very observant. So why the outrage? For them, it seems that Jesus' teaching was a threat both to their understanding of God's word, so they were trying to be faithful, as well as their way of life. So there's kind of a personal threat here. Something may have to change uh, regarding their status with the Jewish people. Today, though, this isn't su super foreign to us. We actually have seen similar camps that have emerged in our time. On the one hand, we have groups of people who struggle with similar issues as the Pharisees. There is a desire to do God's will, but it's oftentimes communicated apart from his grace and mercy and takes the form of some sort of moral rigorism. But following Jesus isn't merely the result of an ethical choice. No, that would be a form of Pelagianism. Such a view leads to the idea that we become righteous through white-knuckling it by trying hard, the old college try. I've seen this manifest so oftentimes in angry tirades about other people's sins. This happens so often when we ourselves have not experienced the mercy of God that Jesus showed this woman. We condemn the sins of others as we bitterly and joylessly cling to the rigors of the law. Now, I want to clearly state for the record that there is definitely reason to be concerned about how sin can jeopardize our freedom, joy, peace, and ultimately our salvation, as well as our neighbors. I'm not denying that at all. However, when we reflect on Jesus' pastoral approach in this passage, we see that his first encounter with the sinner is one of love and mercy. Jesus built a bridge of trust with a lady who surely expected to be condemned. He earned the right to say what he did at the end of the passage, go and sin no more. His primary focus is on winning the sinner to conform her life to his out of love for him. We must all ask ourselves, have we encountered Jesus' mercy in this way? On the other hand, there are groups of people today who argue that Jesus' mercy here shows that he is intending to relax all moral standards. The argument I've heard made is that if Jesus doesn't condemn sinners, neither will I. And while there's an important truth here, I think it lacks nuance. It's true that Jesus doesn't seem intent on condemning the adulteress to death for her sin. That's great. However, that does not mean that Jesus is thereby unconcerned with her sin. Jesus is not indifferent to her sin or ours. Not at all. He's interested in our holiness. Scripture tells us we are to be holy because our Heavenly Father is holy. This is not because our obedience or holiness somehow adds something to God. No, God is complete and perfect in himself. His interest in our holiness and goodness and obedience, our fidelity to the law, is entirely out of his love for us and his desire for us to be perfected in grace. He wants to transform us and make us whole so that we thrive and experience the abundant life. Now, of course, conversion is a process. We should not make the mistake of believing we have to somehow earn Jesus' mercy. 
Similarly to our reading today, God forgives us because of his goodness, not ours. Our conversion begins with that initial loving encounter with Jesus. It's there that we freely drop our nets and choose to follow him. However, it is also important to remember that Jesus was a real historical person. He was not merely a lofty idea, and he taught and did real things in history. To follow Jesus should never be reduced to keeping his law, but it can't be excluded from it either. After all, it was Jesus who said, he who loves me will keep my commandments. So, while it is true that Jesus died for us and loves us just the way we are in our sin, it is also true that he loves us too much to let us stay that way, just like the woman caught in adultery in today's reading. The point here is that neither of these positions gets the good news of the gospel. One reduces Jesus to being merely another lawgiver. The other perspective sees sin as something that can merely be covered rather than overpowered. Don't buy into either of these lies. God loves us just the way we are, even in our sin, but he does love us too much to let us stay in our sin. I have always loved Pope Benedict's quote, being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person which gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. Jesus wants an encounter with you. He wants to give your life purpose and meaning. He wants to perfect you and give you joy. He doesn't condemn you, and if Jesus doesn't condemn you, certainly I don't either. Now let's renew our choice to love him today. Let's all go and sin no more. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this day, and we thank you especially for the example in this gospel of your mercy and your love for us, that you minister to us and meet us right where we are in our sin, in our most shameful moments, in the our moments of despair. You love us exactly as we are, and yet you are calling us to be transformed. You want to make us whole. You want to repair the damage that our sin has done to ourselves and to others. And so, Lord, we really give you all of that today. We, we ask for your mercy and your grace uh, but we ask that you would help us to overpower all of our vices, all those things that enslave us, and that you would let us live in true freedom and joy. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the Lenten Reflection Podcast. The St. Anne vision is to bring people to Jesus, form disciples, and send them to transform the world. Share this episode and invite someone to join you on the journey to Easter. To learn more about St. Anne, go to stannparish.org. God bless.